Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I don't know if we did an intro before this, um, so we're just going to welcome you in. But we got Joe Skipper here. It is Wednesday before Ironman Texas. And um, big news, he's a new dad. Mm-hmm. So how's the breastfeeding been going, Joe? <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, thankfully, I haven't uh, had to do any of that. But yeah, I've been doing the lion's share of uh, of uh, looking after Arabella at the moment. But yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been really good to be to be to be fair. Like, uh, she's uh, she, yeah, she's she's lovely, and uh, thankfully, I've I've been uh, managing to get some decent sleep in as well, which is uh, always a bonus because you hear everyone saying, "Oh, you're going to be absolutely shattered, don't you?" And you know all all the all these things. So uh, it's been it's been okay so far. Is that because someone else has been like putting in all the work and it was been pre-coordinated? Like, look, I got Iron Man Texas coming up. I get to sleep. You do not get to sleep. Mate, the flight <laughs> over here was so relaxing. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything. You know, <laughs> like nine and a half hours of putting my feet up. I felt fantastic when I got when I got to Houston. There was no jet lag. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, there's that. There's that too. So you've got a what is it? A six or seven hour time difference, but you're you know, coming, coming to the West is always not too bad. So if, uh, if you get some good sleep on the plane, I feel like you're pretty much already adjusted because otherwise you'd be in the middle of the night right now in UK time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think if you come over like from, from me coming over to America, if you, you've either got to come over like fairly late, you know, like four or five days before the race, because then you can kind of keep a bit into the British time zone, which just means that you end up waking up at like, five six a.m before the race but you feel great you know you feel like it's like 10 a.m in the morning 10 or 11 or you need to come quite far in advance like three weeks because if you leave it say like nine ten days you start getting a bit into like the normal time zone of being in america and then the jet lag kind of hits you whereas if you come four or five days beforehand i find if you just get over three hours of the jet lag and you've got about four hours you know you're still like four hours kind of like jet lagged it just means that you end up going to bed at like 8 p.m but you wake up really early and you feel fantastic, you know? So like for me, who's not an early person getting, getting up at like for race morning of nine man is the bit I dread most about the races, you know, setting the alarm at three or four o'clock in the morning. That gives that sends a shiver down my spine, you know? And I have to oh, set- me too. <laughs> Nick, you're always up at five o'clock anyways. <laughs> not anymore. Fuck. I, I wake up at about 7am, 6am and just let the old sun and the birds chirp and wake me up. I don't give a shit anymore. It, it's time. true. It's true. At training camp, we didn't start swimming till nine o'clock. Yeah, I was cheery on that one. Um, so Joe, <laughs> Joe are you, you go. You go. Oh. All right, Joe, you, you, you got to be pretty used to getting up early because all your training partners are like 70, 75. Yeah, but they, uh, they, 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 they take some ages to get ready, doesn't it? You know, when you're old, you're not as mobile, are you? You know, so they might get up at seven, but it probably takes them 90 minutes to get ready. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just jump into that. So you've got, so I've watched your YouTube on and off for, you know, a while, but I, I caught up on all your recent videos and your, your main training partner seemed to be the Techno Viking and the Powerful Pensioner. So these guys are what, 60-ish? <laughs> Powerful and, pension is 66. He's 67 this year. And Techno Viking 59. He's coming up 60. He's a bit of a young, he's a bit of a young gun, he is. So yeah. <laughs> so how do you meet these guys? So, like, are you kind of the guy who you know is building up a bit of a triathlon community there? Or are these just guys that you kind of like found through a different club or something? And then you're like, all right, they're you know, whatever, they're down to train and let's just do it. 
I went to see my nan. It was in uh, a retirement home. And uh, when I was in there visiting her, powerful pensioner was uh, on the elliptical, like doing a bit of training. And I started talking to him. And then I said to him, do you want me to take you out for some, you know, for some bike rides and stuff when you get over your injury? And he said, yeah. And uh, yeah, it went from there, really. Like, and uh, now he's got fit. He's out of the retirement home and he's, um, he, he comes out and joins me for some training sessions. <laughs> that is the best story I've ever heard in my life. I hope it's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. The real story is like when I was doing like run running around uh, the trail. Oh, dang um, it! I don't know. When I was doing running around the trails where I live, Mark Shepherd, Techno Viking, used to be out on his cyclocross bike and he used to do all the cyclocross. And he used to start talking to me. Oh, you know, I watched your last race and stuff like that. And I got talking to him and then when it got to the end of 2021 i was thinking how can i improve my training and what can i do better and i thought well it'd be really good if you had like some support like people to like pace you and stuff like that because sometimes it can be hard to find training partners you know kind of and like when you're doing sessions and stuff having someone to like give you nutrition stuff can be a really important aspect of it and i thought could i like pay someone to do it you know and then uh, i thought about who i could get it's quite hard to even like if you wanted to pay someone a little bit you know even to do it because most people are working like you know nine till five and they wouldn't be able to do it and then i thought oh mark he's retired like i wonder if he can do it <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah i contacted him and uh, he said yeah i'd love to do it so since the end of 2021 like september he started helping me out for the sessions and then originally he was just biking with me while i was running and stuff like that and then um I said to him, why don't you come to the pool when I do some swims? So then he's joined the health club where I swim at. And then he's been coming to the swims now. And then he brought Powerful Pensioner along to some of the swim sessions. <laughs> and then I was, I said to Powerful Pensioner, do you fancy doing some rides? And then Powerful Pensioner came out and did some rides. And then he started joining the track sessions and he's got, he's got well into it now and he loves it. That's unreal. Yeah, he's ripping. The and one video fast. is so funny. The one video where you had like that full training day and you like did a full session in the morning and everything and they did it with you and and then it's like the evening and you're doing a swim session you're like sitting in the lobby there and you're writing the swim session on the board and these guys look like they're dead and you're like all right we're gonna do 12 by 400 today (laughs) (laughs) powerful pension is probably dead because sometimes after a hard swim session he treats himself to a couple of guinnesses and it doesn't do him any it doesn't do him the best of uh the next day when he when he gets up and starts like cracking it but he trains like i don't know how he recovers from it like as quick as what he does he's the same age as my dad um and he's running like you know training for like sub 40 minute 10ks he's uh his biking's the strength as well like i remember we were doing a ride and recently and we were doing uh we finished it we were going to do like some hill reps so there was me powerful pensioner and then a guy called craig was in the raf so it's like the royal air force supposed to be like serving the country if we get into war supposed to be fit as a fiddle he's only like 33 34 and uh, we did some hill reps up the hill craig was going strong powerful pensioner was with him like keeping him honest and then there's a little loop that we do which is five miles so about eight k's and it's got like three or four climbs each lap and we did two laps doing through and off so i was on my gravel bike phil was on his road bike so we were like taking turns like he's strong enough to do the turns i was like I mean, the gravel bike slows you down a bit, but I was still pushing like 400 watts or over on the front and he's on the wheel and he's coming through. Craig, the RAF, is sat on the back and we get to the end of the first lap and Craig says, I'm going to have to head back. I'm knackered. And I said to him, you're supposed to be in the fucking RAF. 
You're supposed to be serving <laughs> our country if we get into the help. If he, I said, he's 66. He's old enough to be your fucking dad. Like, you can stay on for another lap, can't you? So we 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 gave uh, Craig a bit of shit. He um, sat on the back or like tried to do a turn. Phil pushed it up one of the climbs, started the next lap, and spat him out the back. And I said to, <laughs> to Phil at the end, I said, mate, you fucking dropped him. Like at the start of the second lap, he was going to carry on. <laughs> but, yeah, but on the bike, he's 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 pretty strong on the bike. To be fair, like before Arizona, I did an effort. I was on my TT bike. He was on his road bike. I did, it was at the end of like a four hour ride. I did like 35 minutes. It was only at like target race pace kind of thing, you know, like 310 watts, 315 watts, but it's a bit undulating. So on some of the climbs, I wasn't pushing it too hard because I didn't really want to drop him, but I was like, you know, 350, 360 watts. And he managed to stay the whole way. I was like quite surprised. We averaged like 42 Ks an hour for it. You know, he's like, for for, for that age, it's pretty impressive. That's actually it? incredible. Like to think about, you know, mid late 60s to be doing that like you, you got to think he's one of these guys who you know if times were different and had pursued sport he would have been like really really good because 40 minute 10k like that's good that's a solid time for a young guy and you know he's doing that at that age that's incredible um but you found him at the local pool and uh, you brought him out and he can go to the yeah. senior olympics now yeah I, he wants to do a sub 10 hour ironman this year so our target is to try and get him a sub 10 at florida because that would be I mean, I don't know what the fastest is for it, like, you know, for his age group, but like 65 to 70 year old age group going like sub 10 hours would be quite decent. He's never done a full distance as well. So it'd be his first one. So we're going to try and get him aero, get him in the wind tunnel. Like when I go in the wind tunnel, like after one of the sessions, we'll try and get him in for an hour or something and just like see if we can get him some gains. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. So your dog got disqualified or your dog got, um, what's the name? kicked out for life for the uh the park run so what happened there was she was he biting guys or what was he doing so right i when i train when we do the track sessions ted i've got two dogs ted and Maisie. Maisie was the original she used to do the track sessions like we used to do some sessions in the winter running around there'd be like seven or eight of us and i remember doing a session like 16 400s off uh 30 or 40 seconds and she used to run in the middle of the pack there'd be like seven of us and she'd be right in the middle she'd do it the whole thing she was at like week in week out then she got a spinal problem, had to have an operation, and then we got Ted. But So she's been taking it a bit easier, but she's built up now. She comes back to the track sessions. But Ted has been there week in, week out. I take him for some of the other runs, and he's got quite fit now. So I thought we'll give him a run out at the park run and see what he can do. But he'll never run on the lead. Like, if you put him on one of them dog leads, he hates it. He just, like, freezes. So it's impossible. So And I knew, kind of, at the park run, you you wouldn't really be allowed it if you if you asked him, like, can I do it without the lead? So I thought, I won't ask because I know, <laughs> like, you're not allowed to do it. And I, wanted him, I wanted to see what he could do. But it was muddy, and I wasn't sure. I was going to get someone to look after. I was debating whether or not to get someone to look after him because I didn't want to drop him and then be thinking, oh, shit, where's my dog gone? Like, you know, so I thought, oh, we'll probably only run, like, 17 and a half, 18 minutes because it's a, quite a crappy course, you know, it's like cross-country. Um and then people were asking me there, like one of the guys who comes to some of the track sessions, do you think he's going to be all right? I said, yeah, he'll be all right. Um, we actually ran in, up run a lot faster than what we thought, run like 16.55. But like, I was looking behind and giving him a bit of encouragement. Come on, Ted, keep in there, keep in there, Ted. And then towards the end, he just like put a dig in and out sprinted me. I was like, <laughs> like, he was like sandbagging the whole time, sitting right, sitting in and then out kicked me at the end. I was actually quite impressed because I didn't, think he had it in him to do that so like because when we do the track sessions he starts off and he does a full 400 meters and then as he gets more nailed he cuts the corners of the track off 
and he always does it and he just cuts across cuts across so he's massively sandbagging in the sessions because from seeing what he was like in the 5k he's obviously a lot fitter than what he lets on <laughs> so joe's training partners are seniors and canines mostly seniors and canines if I, if I need any more i can always recruit at the local uh, retirement center they've got so much time on their hands. <laughs> we could get oh, one, God. we could get one like uh who can't get out much he's not too mobile to maybe time us on the track and write our splits down or something you know <laughs> oh, he'd be, they'd be stoked yeah <laughs> real quick just to kind of go back to what we were talking about i did a little research while that story was happening and it looks like for ironman florida last year the 60 to 64 male, male category winning time was 1036 and then the second was 1044 and then if we go to 65 to 69 the winning time was 1248 and then 1257 so sub 10 would be just fucking he'll smash that he'll smash 12 hours 100% absolutely could, could he win Kona god I don't know I don't even know what someone that age does like I don't even know what a good time is like yeah. we think that he can do 10 hours like from how he trains so we just want to like <laughs> and we think 10 hours that's a good target isn't it you know break like you know to get in under 10 hours is like a solid target so we we just said to him Phil you should go for this he's like all right <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome um the thing is though if he was born and raised in uh Britain and hasn't moved around much he may have never been somewhere that hot he might not you know just like Joe and Kona he might uh struggle a bit he will struggle and he's like me as well he doesn't like the water swim he suffers on the swim oh yeah <laughs> we suffer in the pool together at David Lloyd all right so Kona um 70 um 65 to 69 is 1055 for the winner and the 70 to 74 is 1248 yeah that's solid in Kona I think Nice would be if he was in Nice that would be a good one because he's really good on the climbs all right well, much. we so know what, be... we know what he needs to do yeah We'll so he needs him. he should be in Texas right now because he, he wants to go to Nice. He's in yeah, he's in he's in Mallorca on like a training camp now with his mates. <laughs> 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 he sent me a picture of a beer after the ride and said how's Texas. How is Texas? Do you end up do you like Texas? You've been there quite a bit before, haven't you? Uh I think it's okay. I don't think it's that great for training. Like I I don't mind the race, but like I think the car drivers are just like too dodgy. Like, you know, yeah. we were out on a ride today and they beat the horns right next to you and the roads are really busy. Like, have you guys tra trained in Europe? Yeah, a little, little like, bit. Yeah, Nick has a lot. I just find the car drivers and everything is just so much more respectful when you're in Europe and you train and stuff. Like, whereas out here, it's a bit like the Wild West, you know? Well, uh, I don't really know the, what to In the US, like. it's a bit of an entitlement thing in terms of like, this is my road and you're getting in my, I have to slow down a mile per hour or merge a little to the left. Like, how dare you, you piece of shit? That's kind of yeah. like Texas as like the a state. The crazy thing I find about it out here is when you speak to them, to like the Texans and the Americans and like say you go into a shop or you go into a cafe or something like that they're all really really friendly like and couldn't do more but as soon as they get in their trucks it's like yeah. they completely turn to another person like it's like they're it's, not... it's funny because there's like the group of people that yeah they're super nice and stuff and they get in their trucks but they feel invincible and they're like how dare you mildly inconvenience me in your spandex and then um so there's those guys and then there's the other guy there's the other group of people where you find like the girls that drive the white sedans, you know, not to generalize people, but then they you like generalize. Yeah. But they don't see you sometimes, or they have zero perception of like their car and they'll just buzz right by you. Or they'll be like, I got to get somewhere and just like cut you off. 
yeah, I think you've definitely got to have your wits about you, haven't you? You know, like be pretty careful because I mean, see, after hearing about what happened to Cat Matthews last year, like, okay. oh, don't want anything like that to happen, do you? Are there old drivers yeah. where you're around? Are there, is there a big disparity? Like, are the older drivers in Europe or the UK? I mean, in in your experience where you live, are they a bit shit compared to the older drivers here? Like, what is what is the range here? Uh, they're not too. They're not the older drivers aren't too bad to be fair. But we've got so many quieter roads that you can go on that you wouldn't really see that many cars. So you never really like once you get out of the cities and you go. Go on, go on them. We have like B roads, which are like uh, quite small, A and then country roads, they're called like, and they're just so many that you can go on really quiet roads. So you might only see like 20 cars on a whole ride, you know, if you're riding for like a few hours. Um, so you can you can really avoid it. And then you can go on like, if you, there's never any shoulders in England to ride in. So car drivers never expect you to ride in the shoulder. Whereas out here, if there's a shoulder or in America, I always find like they expect you to be in the shoulder, but the problem is the shoulders can be like quite crappy, can't they? You know, like yeah. stones, glass and stuff like that. And you can like puncture and all that, you know? So I hate riding in the shoulder and you're not really used to it from riding in like England or Europe. You know, there's never any shoulders. It's just like accepted that car, that cycle, that cyclists just ride on the roads. Um, and they build like roads over here, don't they? Like two double, like, you know, two lanes each side or three lanes and people ride on them whereas like they're only like motorways back home like cyclists are barred on them kind of roads like if you were on that you know the police would like be escorting you off so uh yeah a bit crazy like that i never understood the woodlands as like a training destination all the europeans go there to train and i just i'm like i don't even know where you would possibly bike there doesn't make yeah, any I sense don't, yeah i i totally agree i don't understand why people would go there for a training camp because if you want to do a proper ride you need to drive with your bike out out this out the town really or if you bike from the town, it's just so busy and you get so much abuse, like uh, cycling. So it doesn't really seem like the kind of place you would go. I guess the heat is just the main draw that must bring people there. But like the the cycling, I don't think is great. I mean, the running, I don't, is, is there even any trails and stuff here? It's like all parking. Uh, like, yeah, just that one path that they do on the race. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the heat. Um, I heard on your podcast you're saying you're hoping it's not that hot because you're not really ready for the heat. Oh, yeah, um, not done any heat prep. I was running with my top off in Norwich a few days ago and it was 14 degrees Celsius, and that felt <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, now it's gonna be 27 on race day. It was supposed to be 20. I know, I saw it when it was 20. I was thinking this is perfect, the stars are aligning, and every day is going up. So, uh, hopefully, the cooler the better for me. Like, yeah, this hot. And if it's hot and humid, I'm fucked. But if it's not, then uh, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling uh, you'll you'll have a pretty good showing based on well, your last YouTube video you did a pretty pretty epic brick, not epic, but just big. And then you you know you you back it up with three by five k running off the bike in like what was it seven like under three thirty k. So even if you have to slow off uh, and a little bit on the run, you would think that, you know, if you're able to get away on the bike, that's going to be kind of a pretty big uh, advantage, but you think it's not going to be that windy and Texas is always pretty flat. Um, so who knows how that could play out, but you have raced in Texas before and Matt Hansen beat you. Is that correct? Yeah, that was back in 2015. That was, that was basically both of our breakthrough results really like coming into that race. I'd had like a few minor positions. I think I'd, Actually, I think I'd won like a smaller race, Challenge Weymouth. So like a very small professional race, really. And then going in, I think, when was that? That was like September 2014. So then coming into 2015, that was probably my second race. I think I raced 70.3 New Orleans. 
and that was my first experience of racing in hot humid humidity oh and God. i was like holy shit this is hot um and then i actually thought about i was actually tempted to even not even bother racing in texas because i was like i found that heat so uh bad because i didn't experience that i thought racing in europe in the summer you know that was like hot that like just going somewhere hot was what as bad as it got you don't really get the humidity like that in in europe so when i experienced that i was ringing up my uh mum and dad i was like i don't even know if i'm going to bother racing this race uh and they were like no no stay out there stay out there so i stayed out there i had a really good swim bike i got off the bike in first place and i think i was leading until 16 miles 17 miles the run i was absolutely in a whole world of shit because i was skint anyway going into that race so if i didn't get a result like i was screwed so i would probably i i would have probably had to get a job or something like that so i needed to get a result anyway like so I was in first and I was thinking, this is fucking brilliant. Like I wasn't banking on getting first. I thought, you know, fourth, fifth, something like that. Maybe third at best would be, uh, to be honest, I didn't really know, but I wasn't expecting to be leading the race anyway. And I remember I was like, absolutely dying. Like Laura was out there. She was like cheering me on as well. And I was actually getting chased down by Lionel Sanders at the start, actually start of the run. Cause I pulled up, me and him rode through the field, but he fell off the pace probably with about, 50 Ks to go on the bike, 40 Ks. And I think I might've got about three minutes on him starting the run, but then he pulled it down to 30 seconds on the first lap. And I could hear people cheering him on. Like, like you know, there was a little out and back that you do. And I could, I got a time split. It was 25 seconds. And I thought, all right, he's coming. So I'm going to try and stay with him. But then he must've just slowed and he never came back. He just gradually went further and he further behind. He shit himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much Gatorade uh <laughs> apparently um so he went backwards and then matt was coming through from a long way back i think i had eight minutes on him starting the run he caught me about 16 17 miles in and when he caught me i was in i, was, it, I found it so hard because i was trying so hard to stay out in front that it was almost like relief because third place was quite far behind so i kind of knew i had second place as long as i didn't blow up you know i could kind of like nurse it home but being able to back off the pace and because there was no way I was going to be able to go with him, you know, he's just taken eight minutes out of me and 16 miles, you know, he's running 30 seconds a mile quicker. I think he actually ended up finishing eight minutes ahead as well. I finished in second, but it was just relief when he came past me because I was in so much pain. I still remember that now, like just fucking melting, dying and just getting through that run. Like, oh, horrific. That was when it was in May as well. So it was even, it was hot, a lot hotter than what it is than, than it is now. Well, for sure, I can just – I saw Matt here in St. George um, a couple times last week, and I saw that guy in a hot tub in his wetsuit. So I don't know in what he's doing. In a hot tub in his wetsuit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, that's, that's one, one thing. way to put off his missus, isn't it? Kills <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the sperm. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've seen Matt, like – in even in 70.3s run like the same pace if it's like 30 degrees as he would if it was like 15 so he's definitely good in the heat but i still think uh you know you've got a great wow. chance even if it's super hot you've run like two like last year at uh iron man was it iron man wales where you got the like really bad mechanical and yeah. you were on the side for two or for forever and then you still ran like a 230 something yeah that was my best run ever in an iron man because yeah. uh there's 550 meters of climbing, so like 1,600, 1,700 feet, something like that on the race. And the run is 43 kilometers as well. So it's 900 meters around like 237. And on, you know, when you upload it to Training Peaks, it tells you like what your fastest marathon is and all that. I think it said it was like a 233 or 234 marathon, something like that, 
what I went what I went through it. But obviously, because it comes out long, like it, you know, it doesn't look as impressive. But because of the hills and everything like that, that was a, a really really good day. And it was one of them days where when you're on the run, you never really feel like you're working that hard. You know, I never. If you ask me perceived effort from the whole run, it was probably a six out of ten, seven out of ten. And I would love to have a day where I feel that good at a world championships because it's one of them days where you think, God, will I ever feel this good on a run again? Like it was just like absolutely effortless, you know, like I never really felt like I was trying the, the, the mile splits were coming in and I was looking at them thinking this is great. Like, and it was just, you couldn't fault it. And you wonder like if, if I retired, you know, in three years time, I would still remember that run. And I would be like, that was the one day on the run where I could have, you know, it just didn't hurt. You know what I mean? And I just felt like I was running really, really well. Like I would love to have a day. You'd love to have one of them days where you just feel like that at a world championships. That would just be incredible. Yeah. Well, speaking of the world championships, you excited for that course? Yeah, that course is, uh, I think it's a, it's a brilliant course. Like for me, it's great because it's going to be cooler, obviously than, than, uh, Kona. The traveling is, uh, really good for me and the date of it as well. It's like the same date as when Wales was this year. So I've, I can kind of do similar training to what I did and I'll go to font Remo, so train at Altitude in August and get my time in similar to what I did at Wales. Um, and the course is great. Like the bike course is really challenging. Have you guys wrote, raced in Nice like at all or, or done anything there? Uh, I've been there, yeah. Jackson really Jackson, likes that Jack's course. been to Nice, yeah, he loves it. Did you do the 70.3 Jackson there? I did worlds there and that's where I crashed and fucked my shoulder up. Oh, bloody hell, yeah. <laughs> that 70.3 is a lot harder than the Ironman though, because you, there's a lot more climbing per like, you know, a kilometer in, in the 70.3, but the descent, what you have at the end of the 70.3 is the same descent that you have at the end of the, uh, the Ironman, but it's a very challenging Ironman course, even if it's not quite as hard as the 70.3, which is probably good for me because if it was as challenging as 70.3, it would be too hilly. You know, I want, like an undulating course and fairly hilly, but like I don't want it like up and down a mountain, basically like that. Because obviously, if you're like 65 kilos, it's gonna you're gonna go up a lot quicker. But it is gonna reward the stronger cyclists, especially I think in an Ironman distance, because people start fatiguing around 120, 130 k's, and you've still got quite a bit of climbing to do then. So if people go out really hard at the start of the bike, they're gonna really pay for that towards the end. And on the run, people are gonna die. Like I was actually there. For the race this year because my stag party started after nice um so i kind of like was messing around with tom when we were there but i saw rudy von berg on the run and he had a fantastic bike but then on the run he slowed down quite a lot he started off i think pretty quick but then when i was running with him for, for a bit on one of the laps we were running some 420 430 k's and he obviously still managed to win the race and he's a decent athlete so it shows that you know people are going a lot of people are going to blow up on that run i think and some people are going to be really crawling towards the end is the yeah, general consensus um, like a positive from the people you've experienced in terms of not racing in on the Big Island? I think from who I've experienced, who I've chatted to, everyone who's raced Kona is really pleased that it's in Nice because they've done it, they've ticked the box, and people that haven't raced in Kona are gutted that it's not in Kona because they want to go there and tick the Kona box. That's what it seems like for me, especially with people in Europe. I mean, I don't think I think Americans might not be so happy because they've got to travel, but I mean we're like from Europe traveling to Kona is like a massive trip. You know, it's like 24 hours, 25 hours. Jesus. And it's a lot like, cheaper than Nice yeah. as well, which is a lot, makes it a lot more accessible. You know, like if you go into Kona, you need like thousands, you know, I mean, if you do it on a budget, you're probably talking like 
seven thousand pounds you know ten thousand us ten like ten thousand us dollars really to do it properly uh, as a minimum like that's that's as a minimum whereas nice i've booked like a week's accommodation a nice place for a thousand pounds you know flights i mean i mean i am in europe but like the flight's 50 pounds you know that's amazing like so much cheaper yeah that's unreal yeah. but um in terms of the nice race it'll be interesting to see like you said how it get the bike gets hard sort of uh, is still hard pretty close to the end um obviously having done kona you even even without necessarily the bike course getting really hard towards the end you notice people really slowing um and towards the end i remember one year daniela reef had like the fifth fastest or fourth fastest bike split the last 60k or something because all the men just like blow up um so you think like do you think the nice course will be undulating and tough enough that you're just you know the pack dynamic isn't really going to benefit people that much or do you still think it's going to be like a huge you know pack race no definitely not a huge pack race because literally 25 kilometers in you hit a climb that takes about 50 minutes to cycle up um so that is literally just gonna you know that's gonna separate it massively there because it it's not like a five or a 10 minute climb it literally takes 50 minutes if you're riding like 340 watts something like that you know it's a it's a decent one so if people are riding like harder than harder than that you can kind of blag it a bit for a five or a 10 minute climb you can go into the red you know and like get over it but for 50 minutes you can't really blag that can you You know and if someone's just pushing a bit harder it's going to separate it and you hit a few steep climbs before that where someone could push it up but once you get over that climb if you were with people it would be beneficial because i think there is um some flat sections but then there's still a few climbs that are like 5k long you know decent like climbing you know where you gain like 300 meters or so uh which is gonna really sort people out and that long climb if it's hot is brutal like when i was there in june it the sun was shining on it there was no shelter it was horrendous i stopped at the top and got some extra water from a marshal on a motorbike like you know i was like <laughs> i'd had enough i waited for tom he was doing the race <laughs> on my gravel bike and he looked like he'd seen a goat <laughs> when he got to the top <laughs> so is that where he swam 54 minutes no, he came in, he got into form for that in September. That was where he beat the pinnacle of uh, of his swim career. So for those who don't know, Tom, how do you pronounce his last name? Ooster, Oosterdijk. Oosterdijk, okay. So is he is he Danish or like what kind of name is that? Uh, Dutch. Dutch, right. Yeah. That's actually what I meant, but I said Danish because I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, how do you guys know each other? Obviously, your podcast is hilarious. I listened to the last few episodes recently and you know, it's quite an unfiltered sort of uh, honest take on a bunch of things. So, you know, kind of similar in a sense to what we do, where it's not as as scripted or, you know, you guys are probably still more organized than us, though. But uh, how do you how do you guys know each other? Obviously, you've been friends for a while and uh, the podcast is going pretty well. Uh, so we met in Kona in 2018. So he was out there with he was friends or training with a guy that I was actually staying with uh in like while i was in kona and then we went out for a bike ride i met him we did a couple of bike rides while we were out there that time but didn't really um speak too much and then in 2019 he was out there again i went back out there and uh because i knew he was there we did a lot we did some more training so like did a few rides did some more runs and stuff like that and then after that year in kona i said to him do you fancy um do it going to race new zealand like i'm gonna go out there do you fancy coming because we got on quite well when we were doing some training and he said, yeah, he'd be up for racing in New Zealand. So then we arranged a trip to race um, to, to race there, stay together, did some more training. And then it kind of 
built on from there. And that was where the junkyard dog came out. That was where it made its debut. Tom doing it to a, to a Brazilian in Ironman New Zealand at the start of the bike. <laughs> so okay, so you gotta. Why was he barking at a Brazilian? What what was going on there? So <laughs> it was, we were in Talpo training for the race, and it was me, Tom, an American called Seb. This American called Seb was friends with this Brazilian who we call Bruno. That's not his real name, but we just call him that. <laughs> like, just in case he like kicks off, which he has kicked off. Like, cause he sent Tom, a, he sent, he sent, uh, he sent us a message. Uh, give it, he sent me a message, giving Tom some abuse. Um, so we call him Bruno. Bruno was a uh, real serious age group at Ironman, you know, like proper serious. He was there to do a job in the, in, in New Zealand. He wasn't there to make friends. He wasn't there to have a good time. He was there to get his Kona ticket and he didn't give a fuck about anything else. And Tom was joking around, pissing around. And Tom was saying he was going to do eight hours 40. And Bruno had beat had, uh, beat Tom in Kona. Like Tom was at like walking, I don't know, along the Queen K or something like that. Bruno kept it together, ran past Tom. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know this at the time because they didn't know each other. But this is when they were talking and Tom said he was going to do 840. And Mark and Bruno, because he beat him, was like, you ain't got a chance to do an 840. I, I, I kicked your ass in Kona. So, And then Tom... Because he was like, he's, he, I don't even know why. He just started barking at him. And it really got Bruno's back up. Like, he didn't like it, you know. And it made it <laughs> more like me and Seb were in stitches because he was doing it. And we were saying to him, and and them two were kind of like, they didn't really get on that well. You know, there was like a bit of friction between them, which made it like, for me and Seb, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, and then we said to Tom, if you catch him on the bike, because we knew Bruno was going to swim, he was going to swim 51, 52 minutes. Like, because for an age group, he was like, he's always, he gets out of the water top three. And we knew Tom was going to be behind. And we said to Tom, if you catch him on the bike, do a bark at him like a dog. And Tom was like, all right, I'll do it. And then after the <laughs> race, we said to Tom, did you do it? And he was like, yeah, I did. And then Seb got a message from Bruno and Seb was like, he's so disrespectful that guy like i i can't believe he did that he barked at me like i was a dog like what does he what why why does he do that uh and that was when it started bruno has calmed down a bit since then like you know he did say he's sent him a few messages but he's kind of he has calmed down a bit but that was where it made a start and they did kind of get on a bit after that but tom used to do it apparently at university and i don't know why somehow i ended up started doing it because it seemed like a good idea but uh, but Tom won the So who won that race? Tom. He uh, oh. he he was first. He was first age group overall in that, and like I think he was like might have been top ten amongst the pros. That was actually probably one of his best races that he's done. I think he swam like 56, 57 minutes there, which for an age group was like fairly solid. You know, had a really good bike. He caught some of the pro pros on the bike, and then the run. I think it was around three hours, something like that. But he had a solid race. I think he was he was probably about twenty or thirty minutes ahead of ahead of uh, bruno in the end man that's my favorite part about you know europeans and racing like just the amount of shit talking and just t debauchery that goes into it like <laughs> americans just like we're kind of vanilla when it comes to that shit we're all very you know pretty polite we'll talk shit behind each other's back but we just don't do <laughs> to each other's face enough and i just love the like charisma of like oh yeah well fuck you right in the face right when i go by it like, he did it at 20ks and bearing in mind that that uh Bruno would outrun him in Kona. Would it was a risky tactic because if uh, Bruno <laughs> would have outrun him in New Zealand, he would have gave him a lot of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was probably looking over his shoulder quite a bit there. But uh, hey, the Americans will will shit talk occasionally, but then if they get it back, they uh, they whine about it a little bit. 
<laughs> not not talking about any examples in particular. Um, <laughs> so, remember Collins Cup 2021, the the famous uh, race that didn't matter between me and you. All the yeah, shit. That was, and that remember, was a good race that was. That was the best race we've ever had because well, I've never raced you in a full, but um, we never really had raced that many times. But uh, I had to like when they did the interviews with you did they like tell you did they because in the in the coverage they were like getting you to like you know really shit talk me was that like contrived by them or were you like oh i gotta say this because like after it my wife and friends were like what the hell man why did he say all that i'm like dude they're just trying to get shit going like it's part of the thing it's all fair they didn't really say that much i don't think to get it going (laughs) 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 like they didn't really say it i don't even know how it came. I don't even know if like Metzler was the one that started it, did he? Like, well, oh, no, was it before? No, it was before, wasn't it? Like some stuff. We were saying some stuff before to each other. Yeah, at the um at the interviews, like the one on one ones with with just the media guys. Yeah, and then I, thought- uh, I was like, I'm gonna win the the leftovers race for sure. And then you were like, Hell no, you're not gonna win this. And then Justin's like, This isn't the leftovers race. This is great. And uh, that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't really say much to get it going because we, but we were saying stuff on social media, weren't we? Before, like, oh yeah, we were going back and like forth a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then uh, Justin like started it like at the thing, didn't he? he? Came out with it like on the stage, didn't he? Oh yeah, hey. and then you you really gave it to him because you're like, well, if you can't beat the slowest of the Europeans, then like, what does <laughs> yeah, that say? <laughs> and Metzler, it- I I I bloody beat him in Galveston like beforehand. You know, like when we were there, like, and so, so I don't know where he was coming out of that from. It was like, like, mate, I, like three months ago, I beat you in fair and square in a, in a 70.3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it was, it was a good race anyway. And actually we, had, we held our own compared to the others, but, and then the next year, since you're on team Europe and you weren't ranked like third, um, you weren't there and I had a shit race. So we'll have to see about 2023 if we can get it back going again. I don't think I'll get there to be honest again, because it's just so hard as a European to get there. You've basically got to be like ranked top four or top five in, in the world, you know, to, to get there because you've got, well, if depend on how much Gustav races, but like he's been at towards the top of the, like at the top of the rankings or second, and you've got Christian, I don't know who's third, is it Magnus? So basically. Yeah. And Sam Lilo, like, those are the top four, Lilo, I think. Yeah, basically, which in a way is a bit of a shame, I think, because potentially you could have a European that's ranked fifth, sixth, seventh or eighth, you know, like a couple, like say another two or three in the top 10 and they never get the chance, you know, to actually race. Cause really with the cons cup, you want the top 20 or 30 ranked people in the world to go head to head, don't you? For different teams. I mean, I always wonder if it would be better if the teams were just picked totally random, you know, and there's just three different teams, like not necessarily racing for like international european or whatever you know you just have three team the team captains and it just goes like when you know when you know when you're at school and you pick a football team and it's like one person picks then another then another and you know yeah. the races are just formed like that and it's just you race for the team and if all the prize money was just for how your team did you know so you finish the last team gets like a little bit of money and the top team makes a killing because then everyone would be really invested in it wouldn't they and it would be like really level racing because everyone's just picked whoever they want on the day and yeah. it's a lot more to chance. It's like everything now is kind of like premeditated. Like the teams, you kind of know who's going to do what. And your the format you're presenting, it could be fucking who knows what could happen. 
Yeah, exactly. And you want basically, if all the races are really close, it would make it really, really good, wouldn't it? And that's you want yeah. the best racing, don't you? Really. Whereas, like, if like there's like the Europeans with like the top ranked athletes, it's like doesn't make it as exciting because you've got an idea that they're probably going to win unless like something goes wrong because they've got four of the top four ranked in the, in the world. You know, it doesn't yeah. make it that entertaining, does it? And it's you're right that it is ridiculous how hard it is to qualify as a European too. Like for international and USA, it's similar. Like if you're ranked top 15 ish, you're going to get a spot like a guaranteed spot pretty much. So it's just, I, I like what you're suggesting. And one thing they could do is do top four, like they have it for each region, but then the next and don't do a wild card necessarily, but then the next six best ranked, regardless of where you're from, they get picked and they're, like wild cards like they could go to any of the teams and that way if if the next six best ranked are all european they all get in and then they you know you just have a european couple europeans racing for us or for internationals yeah. and then you kind of have it a little bit more balanced yeah that would be uh that'd be good because with the wild card thing as well it's always a bit like if you're friends with the captains and you're <laughs> half an athlete you're probably going to get picked you know whereas if you don't really you know you're not really friendly with the captains or you know you don't go around theirs for like dinner and stuff you you're not gonna <laughs> oh yeah you know like oh, oh it's yeah <laughs> it's not you know it's it's a little bit uh definitely a little bit like that and 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 they pick who's gonna sell like who's gonna be people are gonna want to watch right so that's why you know they pick olympians and stuff like that who've got a big following um but well, I, I, I still think, think you could qualify better. what's that I don't think it's going to get any better considering the PTO just sent a memorandum out saying, well, if it seems like we're ignoring you, it's on purpose and we're only going to focus on a couple people <laughs> to make us really look good. Is that what they basically said? Did they? Yeah. Like they're just going to focus on a few people. Like, yeah. and We're going to create bigger personalities with the people who we already have stories about and who created that persona. And just so you know, it'll all work out for the rest of you. Don't, don't worry. We will get sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sort of, but you know what? I wouldn't count yourself out for qualifying because, like, I really think you have a chance to win these. Obviously, Texas, oh, you yeah. know, winning these races is big, and then you still get your five uh, percent bonus for your best non-championship full distance. So, uh, I think you got a good shot. Well, it's sure. a good, but then it depends on the PTO races, doesn't it? Now, because they've got extra points, haven't they? Yeah, um, they don't have more than Nice, though. Nice has the same as you know pto europe all right yeah i mean if i did go i would love to go i mean you know from being there yourself the atmosphere behind as an athlete so not from a spectator point of view as an athlete being there it is a great atmosphere isn't it and good to be part of because it does give you a good buzz doesn't it you know i really enjoyed it like when when i was racing there in samarin and i think like all the athletes do really like it you know it's just they just it's just as you're watching it it's interesting because i've like the first year i was there as part of it and the second year i was like watching it and like i was what made me really want to watch it this year was because of the smack talk between sam laidlow and sam long and lionel sanders that was what i was really looking forward to because i knew that none of them wanted to lose to each other and like because sam took it really personally didn't you know sam long like took it really personally didn't he and i thought cool this is going to be exciting you know i wanted to watch it but it was a bit of a shame that you know laid low cramped on the run and it wasn't like head to head you know all the way through yeah yeah that's kind of what i was maybe referring to when i said that some of the americans can't can't take it but they can dish it out but yeah you know for sure and those are and those are fun and i think 
the, I think the triathletes are like a little bit hesitant to engage in that kind of stuff, but we should just accept that like, that's part of entertainment and you can't take stuff too personally because, you know, it's just, it's what people will say. And like, they're, they're trying to stir up these rivalries and like, you're just, it's just for fun, really. Like if you, if you're going to take it really personally, then you should kind of just, you know, not give it out, I guess. Um, but that's something that they're trying to do because it's successful in other sports. And I think, I do think it's good for the sport, even if, you know, there's a little controversy on that. When we had, when, when we were like, uh, saying a bit like back and forwards and stuff like that. And there was like, Justin, you know, Metzler as well. And he was saying some, I was really looking forward to it. I was like, fucking hell. I can't fucking wait. Yeah. It's like, I was absolutely <laughs> buzzing. Like, and none of us wanted to really lose. <clears throat> did we, when we were out there after it, we were like, you know, we all wanted to win. Didn't we? I bet like all three of us really, really wanted to win that race. And I definitely didn't want to fucking finish last. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I can't wait. Like, but yeah. it got you like psyched up. It had, we had a good race. And then afterwards you did, everyone was there, weren't they afterwards having a few drinks and stuff and a good laugh, weren't they? And it's like, it's just, you all move on, don't you? You know, like, I'm sure that's probably how it is with some people when they, you know, from other sports, like, you know, you after you, you give, you might give each other a load of abuse, but like, uh, after the race you go and have a few drinks and stuff don't you and it's all you just take the piss about what happened and stuff you have a good laugh and then you move on don't you and it's like next uh, race right? i don't think verstappen and checo are doing that at all <laughs> <laughs> it depends it definitely it depends if it's like a lifelong rivalry or if it's you know uh just like those, we had i saw those formula one guys training out when i was in dubai earlier this year oh that's massive Not them ones but like pierre gasly and his teammate What's his yeah. teammate's name? Like, I'm not a massive Formula One fan, but um, I know that, is that uh, it's not Yuki, is it? Oh, uh, he was out there anymore. Before. He's got a new teammate, hasn't he, for this year? Apparently, oh, because he's on Alpine. I forgot, yeah, he's on Alpine now. Whoever his teammate was there, they were out training, they were doing like some track sessions and stuff. I was, I, I was gonna do a run session with him on the track. Oh, that'd be uh, massive. See, yeah. awesome. Lance, Lance Stroll broke both his wrists biking, really. Yeah, he crashed and broke yeah, both his wrists. He's, he's raced fine though. Go figure. Yeah. But if um, you guys ever head out there to Dubai, there's some really good training out there for like a, a nice camp in January and stuff. And yeah, you know, the facilities are great. Yeah. For like two, three I've weeks. Got a couple of um couple of athletes who were right down there in Dubai have been begging us to kind of come over and do some stuff with the Emiratis. Like I think that's an untapped resource for us to kind of cross pollinate. Yeah, you should do it. Like it would be a great opportunity. And if you did it like December time, it'd be a fantastic time of year to go especially when it's not, you're not like real serious training. The weather's great, sunny every day, got closed bike paths, you know, so you don't have to worry about cars and you can get into the mountains, you know, and hills and ride some like decent hills out there. You know, you have to drive a bit, 50 minutes, but you can do some decent hilly rides and the swimming pools are fantastic, like all open air, everywhere you go. Gyms are amazing. Yeah, I think you'd really, uh, you'd really like it. And there's some good beaches and stuff and cafes they go to. Might just get in trouble for showing some skin out there on the strip or something. Oh, they didn't care about that now. They didn't care about that now. <laughs> so it's a little a little harder to get out there from here than from uh, from Europe too. Yeah, yeah, it's a long flight for you, isn't it? What is it like? Would it be like seventeen hours or something for you guys? Yeah, it's something ridiculous like that. So I've got to ask. I listened to your most recent couple uh, podcasts, and a couple different times, uh, I think it was mostly Tom was like hinting at something but then like oh i can't give you guys the information because somebody will steal my idea and it was something about a guest and then there was another one regarding something else but you didn't reveal what it was so it's telling me that somebody has stolen your ideas before like can you 
Like what happened there? Cause I've never. And what is the idea? No one listens to this. So you can yeah, tell us. Just tell us and just make sure you give us enough time to steal it. <laughs> no, so it's just about this idea is about um, getting just people on the podcast, you know, like basically doing what we're doing, like collaborating and stuff and trying to do something else where we can do like another, cause our podcast is obviously a bit more like we just take, we just like chat about like things and take the mic and stuff. And it's not that serious. Like, so we don't really do like the race results because everyone else does that kind of thing, you know, like that pro try news and some other ones. So you think like, you don't want to do the same stuff as everyone else because then you're just doing the same thing, aren't you? You've kind of got to be a bit different, but then Tom's come up with a few ideas about, I can't remember what the one was, what people stole, but he came out with an idea. And then literally when we came out with it about a week or two, a week later, someone else launched it that they were doing something very very similar and tom was like oh, for god's sake like every time i say something like someone does it. <laughs> he's he's basically got a, um we're basically just getting people on the show similar to what we're doing you know like doing like collaborations with people but doing a separate show during the week as well to try and you know get a bit more out there because it's good to get stuff out there but it's quite hard isn't it to arrange it with like i mean you guys have got four of you on the podcast it's quite hard to keep it consistent isn't it especially when you're training and stuff and like some things might overrun and and that yeah, yeah nick keeps us in line sometimes <laughs> yeah for sure but uh yeah and then the other actually the other one this one makes total sense but with your with your uh wind tunnel testing that you recently did and then you're like oh i can't reveal this so is this something that we're gonna see and then we're gonna see it like your bike set up that way and we're gonna be like now i get it or is it just totally secret? And no one's ever gonna know. Mate, you you camel pack on the front. Keep your eyes open, mate, and you all shall be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm just expecting like a glass dome to like go out in front of your bike and just block all the air or something. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, it was interesting because we do. We, I've been we, when you go in there. Like sometimes you test some stuff and it's a bit random and you don't really expect it to be quicker. But then like. We, we came across some things and like it was quicker but then we were like oh well, we don't want to like really show it to everyone because you know they can all do it but yeah like all shall be revealed <laughs> <laughs> awesome well by the time this comes out um people will probably already have had the chance to see but we'll uh we'll keep the eyes open for sure it's it's like everything you do when someone something new comes out and you do something on your bike and people see if you've done half decent on there everyone's looking to copy it aren't they you know like because if i saw someone doing something on a bike and they were going really well and i thought oh that looks all right you know i'm gonna try and copy it you know because you're all searching for the extra watts aren't you and like gains wherever you can get them now yeah and yeah. it's only really an advantage as long as no one else is doing it and once everyone else is doing it then you have to do it just to be keeping up so it's like yeah. It's very select. It's like that first year where like two guys were wearing the fast Nike shoes and nobody else had any. And uh, and everyone's like, ah, that doesn't work. And then once everyone realized it worked, it was like, damn, we've been losing like time this whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's like Leo took like an extra 30 seconds in transition in Oceanside just to put that thing down his, and he, down his <sighs> top and he got caught by everybody. Oh, yeah, that arrow thing. That would have been interesting because if he'd have done that when he got out on the back of the pack, it would have been very risky because he might have struggled to like, he would have obviously had to wait until you and Sam caught caught him. And then it would have been like, whether or not you guys, like if you did drop him, put in a surge or whatever, or like he would have had to get towed back up, but he might've used a lot of extra effort then because I guess he would have probably put it in and he probably wasn't planning to be off the front by 
quite so much time, was he? You know, 30 seconds. He probably didn't expect that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so, but he definitely lost a lot. Like it's hard to imagine that it would help him as much as what he lost in transition. Um, but also he had like he was cold, he had like sleeves on and stuff that probably weren't very fast. And yeah, he was that guy's legit, man. He uh and it seemed like he wasn't struggling that much on the bike, to be honest. Like I think he was kind of just playing his cards and and uh saving a bit for the run. What what was it like on the bike with the surges with uh Sam? Like was he putting in did he put in it like any really big ones or was it lo- like more like a s- long sustained effort or what? Um he definitely put some surges in that were significant. I was like I was second in the group or actually I led the group for some of it, but most of the time I was second behind Sam and he put in big surges but like it's you know, you, he and he would get away, but then you can just pull it back over a course of like a couple minutes, right? So it felt like I was doing that a lot, like clawing back these 40 meter gaps. Um, but I think the surges definitely would have been more significant for the guys like fourth or fifth or sixth in the group because that's where it gets significant. And like being in a group when it's really hilly is incredibly variable because it's like you're you're over the top, you're sprinting to try to get back in, and then once you're like in the line and you're going down a hill or something it's like you, you don't even have to pedal it's incredible yeah. the variation what do you think he would have been better off though just doing one really big surge to try and really break the elastic instead of like some like a lot of probing ones was he uh, really I, doing them was he just easing off the power then so you like so he'd go hard get that 40 meter gap and then the power was coming off and then that was how you were able to bridge back up then no it, it was never like um it was never easy at all like there was no the only easy time the whole bike was on the speed limit zone where you had to break like otherwise that's so fucking retarded i was watching that and i was like (laughs) fucking stupid like what like if you can ride a bike decent downhill why are you getting penalized for it i don't understand that like you know yeah sense to me i think i think what happened is like it's in north american races people just are not used to technical descents and it's like it is a really steep one too like you probably get up to like you probably get up to like 89 probably 90k an hour if you were really bombing it uh and i think like it, like age groupers crashed and stuff on it a couple times so i don't so pros, i think they had to really you can't have it for the pros though like yeah they they give us a higher speed so for us we're allowed to go 35 miles an hour and the age groupers had to go 25 miles an hour um but still it's kind of weird and then you're like you're not sure exactly what your average speed has been. So you're always like breaking more than you have to, because you don't want to get DQ'd. It's just a very weird thing, but it was the only, it was the only time in the whole bike that I actually was like, okay, I can take a freaking breath here. Yeah. But, and aren't uh, you not, you're not allowed to pass in that section either. Right. Isn't that a rule too? Yeah. It's also no passing. Yeah. So I just, kinda... I just hammer the fucking brakes and let the whole pack go. So by. Basically <laughs> you want to just like, smash it just before you get to that speed non-speed limit zone so you get a bit of a gap and you know someone can't bridge back up recover a bit and then as soon as you come out of it bang hit the gas straight away yeah technically yeah but it's like it's kind of hard to know exactly where it's coming to because you can't like preview that course because it's on a military base so you'd have to know the exact point you'd have to like be really like on it with like looking at the uh like the maps and stuff and seeing yeah is that and uh and makes and it have to be exact on your computer and you'd have to know but the interesting thing is like it sam made it seem like oh like he couldn't get away from anybody but like 
there was a pack of like 12, 14 guys for a little while when we caught that front group and then going over the top of the bigger of the big climb where Sam went like really hard up the hill and over the top, it, it whittled down to like four of us. Yeah. So he, it's, he did drop a huge amount of guys. It's just like, I think he was just, he rode so well. He felt like he should have been off the front, but like everyone else is getting a lot stronger too. So it's just kind of like the way that it's going. That's the thing. Yeah. Everyone's getting stronger, aren't they? And you know, if you sit like in a pace line three or four back, you can get a bit of recovery, can't you? So if you kind of do get dropped a bit from being at the front, you can try and hang on to the back. And people are going to try and hang on, aren't they? Because you're thinking, if I get dropped from this, I'm fucked. I could lose minutes. So you're going to keep going and force yourself to stay in for as long as you possibly can, aren't you? Recover on the downhill. And then once you get onto the run, you kind of just, I guess, take your, like, hope that your legs come, like, that your legs come back a bit and you can run. Um, are you racing PTO uh, race in Ibiza? No, I'm racing St. George. I was, I debated that one for a while, but so it's, Why uh, did you not go, though? Because, like, you're 70.3 athlete as well. So what was the reason why you didn't fancy it? So a couple of things. One is the climate and the course on St. George. Like I always race really well there. And uh, Ibiza, I could rate, like I probably could race well, but it's just more of a known quantity early in the season. And like going over to Europe with, like you said, those, honestly, the Europeans are like, there's so many strong dudes who are jumping on a one or two hour flight and like no time change. And like, I'd have to go so early with going East to be adjusted. And I'm just not willing to put that much, like that much, that many eggs in a basket so early in the year. Um, but I'm definitely going to be like, cause I'm going to um, Finland and that's like my a race of the year. Uh, so I just, it's just the travel and stuff. It's if they weren't on the same day, literally I would go any other time, but St. George is always like my prime race in the early season that I just want to hit. What do you think of the money though for it? Like compared to St. George, like, cause for me, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, the money's all right. If you get the podium, but like, yeah. you don't get any bonus. Like if I could say, if I got fourth in it, I don't, I wouldn't get any bonuses. I'd get literally nothing, but that's the bloody good result. Isn't it? If you get fourth in a PTO race, but then you could win an, another race. You get bonuses from your sponsors and the money is a lot better than what you'd get from the PTO race. So I look at it and I think, yeah, everyone just looks at the prize money at point of view of it. But most of the money, what people make is the bonuses, isn't it? You know, you get like six or seven decent sponsors giving you decent bonuses from performances and the money adds up, you know, so it's not necessarily just the prize money, is it? You know, fourth place in the PTO, great result, doesn't get you any bonuses. You actually get a lot more from like doing, like if you did one our, um, North American champs, I'm sure you'd get decent money when you add all the bonuses up, wouldn't you? That for a PTO race, you'd have to finish bloody well. Like probably you, yeah. if you won North American champs, you would have to finish probably second or third, wouldn't you, in the PTO race to get the same, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd have to probably be, first would probably be equivalent to like third or fourth or something. And that was part of it too, because it's like, you know, it's, um, I was looking at like a, I was, I was analyzing as like a, what's a 50th percentile result. And I think in St. George, a 50th percentile result is, is possibly still a podium, like maybe still around third um, on that course with just how a lot of the strongest guys are all going to be in Europe. Um, whereas a 50th percentile result in Europe might only be like 10th or something. And then you're like, or 12th even. And then you're like, the prize money's not that much. You put a ton of travel energy. Like it just zapped your like energy for the month. And, you know, you could have gone and race St. George. And then I'm going the next week to race uh 70.3 Gulf coast as well. Cause I can just make a trip out of that. And it's just kind of like, you know, for the early season, it seemed to make more sense, but yeah, you're, and they've also reduced the prize purse for, like some of those middle positions, like around 10th to 20th ish. 
Um, so that makes it like less of a, you know, less of a guarantee. Like even if you have an off day, you would have been getting decent, but now it's like, eh, it's a bit tough to, to go when you've got all those Europeans going and probably smashing it. Yeah. So like they, they're probably going to struggle if they keep it like that, aren't they? To really like get like everyone there, aren't they? Yeah, potentially. So what you'll have is I think the absolute top, top, like top five rank, top 10 rank who are like specialized at that distance are pretty much going to go to all of them. Um, but then, you know, guys like you who are really good in the long distance, but you're not as confident in the shorter distance. You're like, well, I'll just go do a long distance one and win it or whatever. And guys like me who are, you know, specialized in that distance, but not necessarily like top five, 10 rank right now, I'm like, oh, I might go to a, an Ironman and, you know, kind of give myself a bit more of a guarantee unless it's like convenient travel. Right. So for the U S open, for sure, I'm going like yeah. makes total sense, but you're just going to have a split field a little bit. You know, um, oh, was it Jason West? I I feel like he uh, is going to do a really good race there. And I would love to see him versus Blumenfeld on the run because I actually feel like, I actually think he, with his run form at the moment, I think he can outrun Blumenfeld if they start head to head. I mean, I saw his run at Clash Miami. He uploaded it on Strava. It was like 310 per kilometer, you know? And it's not like you're looking at like what the splits say on the race <clears throat> website and you're like, is the race short? Is it not? You know, that was just his his GPS data from his watch. I mean, 310k pace off the bike for 16.5k's is incredible, really, isn't it? You know, and like, I, if he's head to head with someone, I think he's going to be so hard to beat in that race, especially with the shorter bike and he's a decent swimmer, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think it, I think you've said it perfectly. Like, I don't think there's anyone who, could like if it's a straight up run off the bike if it comes off altogether i i would bet on him he can really fly on the run um and the impressive thing the most impressive thing for me is that he seems to be running very very fast splits no matter how hard he has to bike so in you know in oceanside for him that was a great bike to kind of get off where he did with how hard we rode and that's like a really hilly course in ibiza if he's able to hang in there he could definitely run super quick, but it looks like there's a pretty good climb in that course. So it'll be interesting to see if, if it stays together, or I think there might end up being kind of two packs or there might be a, a group at the front that really pushes the bike. And, and if that's the case, I don't know if he'd be able to hang in there, but no, he's a legit runner. Like it's pretty insane to watch. Do, do you guys think that Jan will race? <laughs> uh, I don't think he's going to race. I've been, I've been thinking there's no way. I don't think um, he's going to race I've, either. I, I, I want I, him to I, race, though. I, I want him to race, but I don't think he's going to. But I also think if he races, I don't think he's going to make the podium. Yeah. I was going to say, what do you think is going to happen, uh, especially if Brownlee races, too? Do you think they'll stay away from Blumenfeld on the bike? Yeah, definitely. Because I think I, I think Blumenfeld's weakness is definitely his bike. Like, uh, if I mean, if you look at St. George when he was isolated on the bike, he was going backwards. And I think had it not been for Cam Worth and St. George, Braden Curry would have won it. I think Braden Curry, had he paced that run right in St. George and Cam not have towed Blumenfeld round, because I don't really understand why Cam would have done that, because surely it would have made more sense for Cam to try and attack, drop them, but like him towing them along is not really going to help his race because there's two people that or whoever was behind him was going to outrun him. So it didn't really make any sense. But had it not, had Cam not been in that race, I think Christian would have lost a lot more time because he was already lost like probably four minutes, I think it was, on the bike when they swept him up. 
Then he managed, then Cam managed to ride a similar pace to the leaders. He stayed in. Braden Curry went out way too fast on the run, died. And then that was where Christian really took the time out. I think if, if Braden had paced it, he only needed to run a 241 to win the world champs, which is in his in his wheelhouse. You know, he's he's capable of that. I think he got excited, went out too hard, and it bit him. And I think Christian's really good at like keeping a bit composed. And if he's in with a shot of the win, he can dig very deep. Whereas I think in Ibiza, I think Sam Laidlow and Alistair and all the people that know that they can put him under pressure on the swim are surely going to do that, aren't they? You know, from a tactical point yeah. of view, why would you not make it? You want to make it a really hard swim because you know he's vulnerable on the swim. And then if he's stuck on the bike, I don't think he really wants to ride really hard. And if he does have to ride on the front, he's definitely not got the firepower, I don't think, to close that gap. So he'd be starting the run with a deficit. Potentially, that could really suit Jason West because if he can make that, if he can just hang on to them on the swim, limit his losses on the bike or stay on the back for as long as possible and, you know, keep in, in contention, he could be, he could be right up there for it, you know, but like. That would Alec be a Curry, monster swim from, from Jason if he kept with like the Sam Lady low pack. Alec, but it's going to be a big pack though, probably because you can have Alistair in there. You can have Jan in there if he races, Sam, Aaron Royal. God, there's probably at least another couple of others. Who do you know any more of Jackson? Like you, I've like there's at least another couple, isn't there, that are decent swimmers that could probably stay with that would stay with them guys. Yeah, so some of it will depend on the wild cards, like if Schumann's in or or some of those he's ITU guys. He's definitely going to be. He's a really yeah. good swimmer, so he's going to be there. So potentially you could have a pack of like seven of them. So makes it a lot easier. That does help Blumenfeld a bit more with a bigger pack because uh, more feet to stay on uh, at the start. The start's going to be absolutely hundred percent crucial, isn't it? You know where he positions himself is it a deep water start. Is it a dive start? Are they seeded on the pontoon? You know, he needs to be in the, I think for Blumenfeld to make that swim pack tactically, he needs to get it very right at the start. If he doesn't have good takeout speed, he gets boxed in. He's fucked because he's going to miss the feet and there's no way he's going to have the firepower and the swim to bridge up to him. So tactically for him, it's absolutely crucial. That first hundred meters of that swim, you know? Yeah. Get, but Cam Worf's going to be there. Maybe he'll tell him back up. I can't see Cam. I can't see Cam though. I can't. Is he even going to race that? Like he's meant to be racing Texas as well. Like you know, who knows with him? You never know I'm, with that guy. Yeah, I'm sure it's more likely he goes to the PTO race than uh, yeah than Texas. Think, but yeah, you have no idea. He was racing Fletch Willone today. He got called up for that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Maybe he ran a full marathon after that. Yeah, I don't understand what all the fuss was about, like running four minute Ks after Paris Roubaix, like and people going incredible, amazing. Like I was thinking, well, what about the fucking guy that won the race? Like you know, won Paris Roubaix. Like if I won it, I wouldn't be fucking talking <laughs> about running four minute Ks off the bike. Yeah. <laughs> guy was in the fucking shower, like you know, chilling, like while he was out running. <laughs> I think it's yeah. like it's also like the cyclists just can't comprehend it. Like they get so mad if you ever do like just like a weekend crit or something, and then you go you know, get your award and then you go for a run. They get so pissed at you. Cyclists get pissed with triathletes anyway, don't they? Yeah. Like, that's just like, uh, that's just the one, one, one of life's certainties. You know, if you're a triathlete, you're going to piss a cyclist off. But they're so weird, aren't they, cyclists? They're fucking strange, aren't they? Because they're so unsociable. Like a proper cyclist is so unsociable, aren't they? And like Laura, my, like my missus, she went out on this like bike ride, what she did. It was like one of them like sportives. And there was a cyclist who was riding along and he paid for the race and he kept getting lost and he didn't have the route <laughs> on his like computer. And Laura was like, why don't you use your phone if you've got your the route on your phone? And he's like, no, I can't have that on my bike because it looks terrible, you know, and stuff like that. 
you keep taking wrong turns and like having to join back you like <laughs> join them back up like you've ruined your ride like but and and like yeah when you see them they have to have their socks at a certain like height don't they and stuff like that you know <laughs> all these rules what they have don't they yeah sunglasses over the straps which jack does not do if you're a triathlete you don't have time to pay attention to any of this you just get on your bike all haggard and messed up from the run you just <laughs> did Go don't do turn it. up to a group ride and drop them with hairy legs because that will really fucking <laughs> <laughs> probably happened a few times but oh man so texas That's this awesome. weekend i think you got it your uh, oh, boy's out here as well though isn't he cody you're oh you're, yeah you're, you're man yeah he's yeah he's he's in shape man he's in good shape but you know you're uh he's you've had his number for a bit now so uh he's definitely aware of that but if it's hot that guy he he's we always run together and like every workout we're just run like same paces but if it's like really hot out i'm he's gone like i can't keep up with him he's so good in the heat so we'll see what happens if that might help him out a bit yeah yeah now i remember training with him before and he's been really good in the heat to be fair actually but uh we'll see i mean i think uh i think it's gonna be a good one can't wait to watch um any uh any final thoughts before the race any anything you want to plug any of your like what's the name of your podcast you got to tell these tell everybody to go go listen our podcast is called Triathlon Mockery, so check it out, guys. Uh, it's on all your uh, podcast streaming sites. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, man. Good luck in uh, good luck in Texas. If you need anybody to trash talk, just you can trash talk me on the podcast. Just make sure you mention Real Triathlon Squad and the Real Triathlon Podcast. I was, I, I was trash talking oh. Matt Hansen today on the Ironman thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't even know why i don't even know why i like picked him it was just I, and then once i picked him i just couldn't stop i could just couldn't help myself you know it was like <laughs> <laughs> you're just attacking him personally you're just like i heard that he's you know he doesn't pay his taxes and <laughs> get the irs around him <laughs> oh that's great all right well good luck this weekend dude crush yeah. it we'll be watching see you later guys Peace. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no worries. Oh, we got to do the sign out with Joe. Hold on. Oh, Joe, yeah. Still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still there. All right. At the end of every podcast, um, the way we end it is we say peace and then we all say oot in a Canadian accent. All right. By the way, my sister lives in Canada. Does she? Really? Where? Yeah, yeah. Where? She's been living there for, well, she was living in Banff. Uh, and then she's like, she had to get a visa. So she had to come back from England for a bit. She's got the visa accepted. Okay. Now she's moved back out. I think she's uh, somewhere. She might be in. God, she's either in Banff or Calgary or somewhere like that at the moment. Uh, but she's her, her partner's uh, Canadian. There you go. Nice. That's they're a, only that's they're only nice five area. hours. They're only five hours flight away from me. Yeah. <laughs> you, ever, you ever been out to Banff, Joe? No, you I want to. There? I, 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 yeah, I love it. like it looks great from the pictures. Yeah. And stuff, what I've seen that she liked. So, yeah. So um, my buddy and I set the. Uh, uh, KOM from Jasper to Lake Louise, which is like 220k or something, and we stop for lunch for 30 minutes. So if you're ever out there and you want a nice KOM, you just do that ride. 220k, flipping neck. I'll tell you what. What is quite fun doing when you go to some of them places, you know, like the uh, short ski hills. What they have, you know, if you can run up some of them and go for like some Strava segments. Like there's not that many people on them, but God, they get your lungs like absolutely burning. They oh, do. Yeah. If you can find like a nice four or five minute like really steep uphill run like 20 percent gradient you know absolutely 
liberating mate doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta watch out out there though because that's a corridor for like the grizzly bears uh the ski hills is it yeah so if you ever <laughs> want to see a grizzly bear you sit at the parking lot and you just wait and then they'll like walk by so Flipping it, i keep seeing mountain bikers attacked by them on like my instagram now that's the videos i keep getting come up like. <laughs> savage they are aren't they <laughs> yeah uh, all right man, we won't keep you for much longer but thanks for coming on all right so Jack, you want to lead us out? Uh, I don't remember how to do it. You do it. All right. Well, boys, until next time, peace. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> there we go. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.